The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Brothers and sisters. Ah, what a joy it is for a man who is an only child to look out and to say that. True or false? True or false? If two people think the same way about everything, one of those people is unnecessary. Is complete agreement between two people Does that make a relationship redundant, superfluous, one of them, or boring? True or false? Both, both, okay. You know, I think about that, but I also think about this. What about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son within the Holy Trinity? They think exactly alike about everything, Is their relationship redundant, or is their relationship boring? Or think about lifelong friends, or or spouses who after years just, I mean, they can almost read each other's minds, and they can just about finish each other's sentences. Or think about this. Think about a group of Christians gathered, I don't know, maybe Bryant Park somewhere, I I have no idea, gathered around God's Word, and they are all like-minded in their beliefs, their their, their look, their out view or their uh, outlook on God's word, is that boring? <laughs> I think the smiles right here already give away the answer. You know the answer. By experience and by God's word, we know that complete unity is not something that is just out in the stratosphere, but something that is real, something that can be experienced, something that King David says in Psalm 133, what we just sang, it is good and pleasant. Unity is good and it is pleasant. And how good and pleasant is it in that Psalm 133? David says it's as good and pleasant as a pastor at his installation service because that's what the picture that he brings up there with Aaron and the oil coming down his head and his beard. Let me tell you, I was just at an installation service last week and boy, was that ever good and pleasant. And we know why that unity is so good and pleasant, don't we? Because there, within the Christ-formed, spirit-built unity of God's people, God says this, that in this unity, there he bestows a blessing. What blessing is that? Life forevermore. Eternal life in the unity of God's people. Because unity means that much. Because the opposite is also true when the unity fractures, when it breaks, when love grows cold and brittle, when agreement on the teachings of God's word start to have their tensions, that sweet haven of salvation can start to crumble and it can end up happening that at the end the house can fall like like the house over Job's children. That is true. Pastor Tim and I, this season of Epiphany, we have a great and a noble mission before us. 
great and a noble mission. We are going to stand before you Sunday after Sunday through the rest of January and into the month of love of February. And we have one goal and one aim in mind as we turn the facet of this wonderful letter of 1 Corinthians to build up our unity, to shore up our unity, to expand and strengthen our unity and, and continue to make Sure Foundation Lutheran Church a sweet, safe haven of life forevermore for every person that comes here and for the nations that God is planning to bring to us. And, and we can't think of a, of a greater letter to, to accomplish that than 1 Corinthians. Because while the Apostle John may well be called the Apostle of Love, 1 Corinthians may well be the letter of love. So take my hand and let's go on this journey. Let's take step one on the path that Paul calls the most excellent way. First Corinthians, everybody. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and in thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Whatever debate, whatever opinions people may have about the idea and the ideal that Christian people are to be perfectly united on the teachings of God's Word. Not every passage in God's Word, because there are variations and various outlooks on the passages of God's Word, but on the teachings of God's Word. Whatever debate, whatever strong opinions may be abroad or inside about the ideal of being perfectly united in mission, in love, in what we call practice with a capital P, like the practice of inviting to the Lord's Supper, to Holy Communion, only those who have received instruction in God's Word and can publicly declare their unity with our church on the basis of God's Word. Whatever debate there may be about any of those things, Brothers and sisters in Christ, 
the debate ends right here, right now. I'm serious. In Corinth, it was like, it was like some of the tiles out here in our fellowship hall. Seamy little fissures and deepening cracks were starting to form. And some of them were getting pried loose, the one from the other. And in this incipient division, this was just one of many issues that the church at Corinth was having. But despite all of the problems in this church, the very first problem that the Apostle Paul tackles by the impulse of the Holy Spirit is their oneness, their unity. Isn't that incredible? Some members from Chloe's household mail to Paul the mid-semester report card on the Corinthians, and the grades are pretty bad. So Christian morality, D minus. Doctrinal purity, D. Christian love, F. Christian maturity, D. Unity, D. And the very first bad grade that the Apostle Paul tackles is unity. It matters that much. And it's all, it's also perfectly tied into what the Lord Jesus said on the night he was betrayed, right? Do you remember what he said on the night he was betrayed when he prayed that great high priestly prayer to his heavenly Father and his disciples there? He said this, Father, may they be one as we are one, that the whole world may know that you sent me because through the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace that is established among Christian people and around God's Word, Christ is proclaimed in his glory. The debate ends here. It ends now. Unity in our teachings. Unity in our mission. Unity in our love. Unity in our practice with a big capital P. That is not only a, po a possibility, that is something to strive for, something to fight for, should God bless us with that. Time for a little time out here. It's time for all of us to really be convinced of the point that I just made. In order for our unity here to be strong, indissoluble, every single mind here, from the youngest to the oldest, needs to be in agreement on that point that I just made. Paul, when he defines our unity, says this, that we are to be of one mind. So it's kind of like, imagine that all of us here are parts of a brain, and together we form one brain. So what does that mean? How are we to be one? Does Paul mean that we need to be cookie cutters of each other in every facet of our life, in the way that we carry out business in the church, in the ideas and in the thoughts that we have? Of course not, right? I mean, there is a great array, a, a great uh, big, huge open space for different people to come from different backgrounds and have different ideas and be individuals and, and have their culture and have all kinds of differences about them 
and yet still be one. So it's not about being like just thinking the same thing in every single way about every single thing, every single topic that has not been decided by God's word. So then what does it mean to have one mind? Did you ever think about that? What does it mean to have one mind? The answer is resolved rather easily when we go to the letter of Philippians and there Paul tells us that we as Christian people are to have the mind of Christ. So what is the mind of Christ like? What is his mind like? Well, this is what Jesus, the Most High God, has in mind. This is what it means to have the mind of Christ. That he does not, even though he is God himself, he does not consider equality with God something to be grasped and flaunted and fawned over, but he willingly sacrifices the full use and his power and enjoyment as God in order to save you and to save me. That's the mind of Christ, that humble, self-sacrificial love. So every Christian person is to have that mind of Christ, self-sacrificing love, looking at the person around you and saying, you first, I am here for you, all for you, yeah? One. But the mind of Christ is also this, a mind that is 100% dedicated and committed to 100% of God's word. So Jesus, in that same high priestly prayer on the night he was betrayed, said this, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word, all of it, is truth. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, all of them, you are truly my disciples. A mind of love, a mind of faithfulness to the clear teachings of God's word. That is the unity. That is this battle formation that the ancient Greeks used to fight wars, a battle formation called a phalanx, where people stand linked side by side, their shields not only covering them, but part of their shields covering that other person. So here we are, united in our love, united in our mission, united around God's word, united in the practices that flow from that word, and we stand side by side with the shield of faith. Your shield covers part of my body, my shield covers part of your body, and we fight. We fight together. We fight for each other. We fight against the enemy. That is our unity. That is the mind of Christ. That is what we have. Is that not beautiful? United we stand. But you know how the saying goes, right? Divided we fall. Disunity. Sibling rivalry. That is the house of horrors. Can you almost sense in the Apostle Paul sadness, I don't know, the indignation, like a parent opening up that report card and seeing those bad grades. Can you almost sense a little bit of terror that happens in Paul's heart, that is brewing in Paul's heart, at the bad potential consequences of that division that is starting in Corinth? Brothers, and sisters, I'm brokenhearted, he says, because 
I hear this thing that one of you follows Paul and the other one follows Apollos. And while it hadn't happened yet, while Corinth hadn't broken up into four little rival congregations, each one behind their favorite pastor, and, and people weren't leaving in droves because of the tensions and the animosity that's there and, and the look and the thought that, oh my goodness, those Christians are just as competitive and dog-eat-dog -dog and selfish as the rest of the world, even though that wasn't happening, that was the path that they were on as they were aligning themselves behind their favorite pastor. Okay, my people. Time for a little serious talk, especially among a group of people who are blessed with two pastors. It is perfectly okay, more than okay. It's a blessing to have a favorite, you know? I have my favorite pastors too. Actually, one of them is sitting over here in our There will be men in your life that God places that you just connect to naturally, that you, that you are ministered to well, that you built a long relationship with. Pastor Tim and I, we've talked about this at length. Members and visitors will come in. Some people will connect more with him. Some people will connect more with me. And we both rejoice over that. There is, let me tell you, there is no rivalry, no jealousy between me and him. I mean, we are like tight. So anybody ever wants to split us up, man, just know this. There is not a single drop of daylight coming between us, okay? I also understand this. I'm still, I'm still the new guy. I'm not, I'm not new, new, but newer guy aboard. And so I recognize that many of you are going to just have longer, that longer, deeper, lasting relationship with Pastor Tim and his family because they've been here longer. They've ministered to you through thick and thin. And so I rejoice over that too, and I praise God about that. And over time, the whole thing balances out. You know, and already it's happening. Already it's happening. That's all well and good to a point. And this is the point. You ready? the point of exclusivity. Do you know what I mean about that? Who's preaching the sermon today? Who's doing the Bible study? Oh, if he's preaching, if he's teaching, we'll go. If not, we can stay home. I don't want to go if he's doing this or he's doing that. My, my pastor back from my home congregation said, said this, and he is the final word on the matter, and that's that. I'm not listening to anything that, my dear people, is a classic case of pastor worship on the one hand and pastor disdain and unappreciation on the other hand. And there is no place for that in the kingdom of God and in the family of God. And I praise God that that's not happening here. I praise God that that is not the case here. I also praise the Lord that he has given us this word to nip that in the bud so that that never even begins. Are we all in agreement about that? I think we're all in agreement about that. Really, really good. Um, yeah. We are gathered here as a group of people, and God has blessed us with the word and with truth and with great leadership here to unify us, to make us one. And all of those little allegiances that can be, can be aligned, that can happen not just behind pastors, but it can happen behind cultures. It can happen behind, like, this is my idea and this is the way I think we should do it. It can happen between this is my way of parenting or this is my way of, uh, I don't know, these are my politics, my political view, whatever it happens to be. All of those things can become these de divisive factors. And here's, here's where the house of horrors comes in. 
Paul says that when that happens and those divisions take place, he asks a question. What question does he ask? Is Christ divided, right? So I want you to think about this. All of the cliquishness that can form among people are bone saws that can dismember the body of Christ that he bought and paid for with his own blood. Pride, the pride that's in me, as it's in all of us. It's an ugly thing, but it's more than that, guys. It's more than that. It's a stubborn thing, and it stubbornly clings to us, and it stubbornly pulls at us and draws us away from our Lord Jesus and from each other. And it's like, like this, like I have my hand, and you, and like with yours locked, interlocked, but then that stubbornness just kind of slips my hand, and our hands slip, and there I go, plunging headlong into abyss of solitude. Praise our one Lord Jesus Christ that that is not going to happen to this family. I praise my one God and your God and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that Satan will never, ever, and I repeat ever, divide this family. Like H, he will. Because the Apostle Paul at the very end of the section of our, that we read today, reminds us of, and actually, he actually emits this powerful magnetic force that topples the kingdom of the devil on the one hand and that unites and binds and heals and strengthens and shores up and makes the body of Christ and all of its tendons strong and in, and in indivisible, so that the body as a whole is invincible, and that power is the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the cross of Christ. I love what the Lord Jesus said in, in that Luke chapter 12, where he said, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, suspended on two beams of wood between earth and sky, will draw all men to myself. It's like the cross is this magnet, an irresistible pull of love that brings sinners to him and binds them to each other. This is the cross of Christ that is here. Brothers and sisters, let's experience that pull right now. Want to experience that pull right now? Growing closer to the Lord Jesus and growing closer to each other, here it is. Paul was right. So right, of course, he was. We were not baptized into his name. Let's remember the man in whose name we were baptized. Can I take you back to a week earlier here, real briefly? There we stand on the banks of the Jordan, wide-eyed. And there we see Jesus going under and coming up at the direction of his relative, John. And there you see the water flowing down his head and down his beard, and I want you to find that so good and pleasant because just like the oil running down the head and the beard of Aaron soaking into the color of his robes, the Savior is being anointed for his mission. And see the heavens split open in half and roll back like waters of the Red Sea and the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a holy spotlight and you hear that thunderous voice, my son whom I love and gasp in awe as you see there being drawn to him into the water. Your prophet, your priest, your king, your God in your flesh. There he stands, and he soaks up into his holy body all of the pride and the ugliness and the division that would ever just ruin us here, soaks it all up to the last drop, 
and it has been burned away because that same Lord Jesus went and he mounted the font of Calvary and there was baptized in the fire of God's judgment and you and I are clean. And so you and I can know this. God loves his son more than anything else in the whole wide world except for you. What I tell you, the devil, he does not stand a chance because what force to divide can overcome the power of that love to unite. The cross of Christ is the healing balm to heal all fractures and, fr and breaks. The cross of Christ is the holy oil that wipes away every petty distinction we could ever make. The cross of Christ, it makes us win, and it makes us one, always and ever. Paul said it so beautifully in Galatians. There is neither... Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free, for you are all uno in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, whom I love with all my heart and with whom I am one, let's go to it. Let's take that most excellent path, the path of the phalanx, the way of the phalanx. Let us love one another deeply, let us be committed to praying for and to encouraging and being part of the faithful instruction from both pastors. Let's encourage one another with the Word of God. Let's protect one another with each other's prayers. Let's fight for each other for the glory of our Savior. And let us love each other so deeply from the heart that no matter who's preaching this morning, no matter who walks into that door and sees a Pastor Tim or a Pastor Dave, all may know we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ.